Okay, so today we go on and talk about the work of the Holy Spirit uh, today and next week. Definition, the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, now well, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll say the definition and I'll tell you what we're doing. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest, manifest or show or make evident the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. See, we, we talk about the work of God the Father and planning creation and working with the Father and the Son and bringing about the creation of the world or in planning our salvation and choosing us and sending the Son into the world. We talk about the work of the Son and coming and living among us, becoming a man as well as God, dying for our sins. But people don't too often talk about what is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so what I did to put together this chapter is I, I went through the whole Bible collecting lots of passages where it talked about what the Holy Spirit did in different parts of the Bible and put it in different categories. I ended up with five categories of different kinds of work of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I want to talk about this morning and next week. And what I was thinking about why this is important, it's important because... if if you say, well, when I become a Christian, I trust in Christ for forgiveness of my sins, and my future destiny is sure, I'm going to heaven. And that's, that's, that's most important, isn't it? But then, what about the rest of the Christian life? What about what you do between now and when you die? Do we talk about that very much? Well, in the rest of the life that we live until we die, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is really, really important. And if we understand these different categories of how the Holy Spirit works in our life and understand how we can um, think about and trust in God's Word where it talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in these ways, then I think it's going to have a tremendous impact on our Christian lives and the way we have impact on people around us, the way we minister to others. It'll have a lot of results. So here's, here's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence, the Holy Spirit's presence brought blessing from God throughout the Bible. Well, right in, in the second verse of the whole Bible, we see Genesis 1-2, and the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. There is God had spoken, and the world came into existence, and there was the Holy Spirit hovering, brooding over the waters, kind of preserving, guarding, getting ready for something that yet was going to happen. Isaiah 34 or 32, 14 is one of a number of verses that talk about the great blessing that just explodes when the Holy Spirit begins to work powerfully among God's people, even in the Old Testament. For he, he, Isaiah was writing about a time when there was uh, a lot of barrenness and, uh, and futility and discouragement and frustration. The palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted, until something happens. Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Now, I don't know if that's... I think... I think uh, in one sense it's just kind of a poetic image of just great blessing, but in another sense it's probably looking forward to the final time of renewal of the earth when actually nature will be changed and become more productive. 
Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. This is when the Spirit is poured out. And whenever you see this word peace in the Bible, we think peace means just quiet, no conflict. But it's a richer concept. It's the word shalom in the Hebrew text, and shalom means everything is right with the world. See, it's not just everything's quiet, but it's it's where everything is in ordered harmony. And uh, there's blessing in relationships, there's blessing in walk with God, there's blessing in nature, there's blessing in society, and there's fullness and abundance of joy and activity. Peace is that, that, that idea of shalom is much richer. And that's that's what is promised when the Holy Spirit comes in great fullness, as Isaiah promised. Or in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. This is Jesus promising his disciples that when the Holy Spirit came, there would be power given to them. What kind of power? Well, power for all sorts of ministry. Yes, it was certainly power for preaching the word, preaching the gospel, and people would become Christians. But if you take that word dunamis, power, Greek word there, dunamis, and trace it through Acts, um, I think it's like eight out of nine times that it's used in Acts, it's power to work miracles. And so there's miraculous uh, work of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts that came as a result of the Holy Spirit coming to bring this great blessing to the church. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.5 is also kind of an overview verse that's important. Um, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And that word guarantee, arabon in Greek, it's uh, what we would call a down payment, a pledge, a deposit. Um, uh, If you are going to buy a house, you put a down payment and you hold the house. And that's promising that there's more of the same money coming later. Um, or uh, you can put a deposit on something you want to buy at a store, and that's promising that there's more of the same coming later. Well, arabon in Greek was kind of an agricultural term for, a, a, or not an agricultural, a commercial term for a, um, a promise that later you'd fulfill the full price. And Paul is saying the Holy Spirit that God has put within us is a promise or a guarantee of what we'll have in the future. And I think that we should think of that and say, what's our life going to be like in heaven? What joy, what peace, what uh, uh, wonderful relationships filled with love and, and, and health and all that abundance. Well, Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is put within us as a down payment, as a foretaste. It's kind of, it's a, it's a little bit of heaven in our life ahead of time. That's the Holy Spirit. And so when we know the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're experiencing more of a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like in many, many ways. I was just, I was thinking of that during the worship service this morning uh, in the first hour. What a wonderful time of just being in the Lord's presence and offering him praise. And this is a little foretaste of the joy that's coming in heaven. So that's the idea of the Holy Spirit being a guarantee. But how does the Holy Spirit bring blessing? How does the Holy Spirit manifest God's presence? Well, throughout the Bible, I think we could say in five ways. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers. Number two, the Holy Spirit purifies. Number three, the Holy Spirit reveals. Number four, the Holy Spirit unifies. 
And number five, the Holy Spirit gives evidence of God's presence in a stronger or weaker way. So those are the five points we'll look at during this session and then during next Sunday as well. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers. First, he gives life. Uh, there's a way of empowering, uh, just giving life to the created beings. Uh, Psalm 104.30, when you send forth your spirit, they are created, all these different different living creatures in creation. Or Job 34.14-15, if he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to the dust. There seems to be some work of the Holy Spirit in preserving life among all living beings. That's an empowering. But then there's a new kind of empowering for us when we become Christians. He gives new life in regeneration. John 3, 6 to 7 and 33. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. When we are born again, there's an empowering to, um, to live the Christian life, to uh, make us alive to God so we're able to pray and, uh, and uh, follow him, walk with him. So and then... Uh, the Spirit, in uh, uh, when Christ returns, he's going to empower in another way. He's going to give us resurrection bodies. Re uh, Romans 8, 11, um, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So there's a role of the Holy Spirit in our future resurrection. And then number two, the Holy Spirit gives power for service, for service, uh, service of ministry. I Suppose you can just think of Susan Bartolini standing up here giving this wonderful announcement about the Christmas party. And if, if there are any good results from it, I think we should say, well, there was the Holy Spirit working through that. Or Jamie Rasmussen just preaching uh, marvelously during the last hour. And when there's a, a blessing from that, a result of that, I think it's right to say the Holy Spirit was working to bring the words with power home to the hearts of the hearers. Um, uh, there are other examples of giving power for service. In the Old Testament, in Judges 6.34, the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet and gathered Israel to battle. Or Judges 15.14, here's uh, clothing Samson with power. When, he, when Samson came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands. Again and again, we've seen the story of Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he defeated the Philistines, and he had these un, 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 incredible works of power. So there's a physical empowering for service. Um, 1 Samuel 16, 13, Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So Samuel anointed David to be king. Saul was really king still. But the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit departed from Saul, was grieved that Saul had sinned. And just that was the previous verse. And now this verse, it says the Holy Spirit came upon or rushed upon, literally rushed upon David, came on him powerfully to anoint him to be king. And, and that meant, I think, he was able to defeat his enemies in battle. So there's a physical empowering, giving of skill. It also meant giving him wisdom. So he became a wise king and was able to make wise judgments. For most of his life, there was an area where he got into sin later, but for most of his life, and um, just giving blessing to his reign so his kingdom expanded. There was an empowering of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The Old Testament predicted a coming Messiah who would have the Spirit of the Lord on him in a greater way than Samson, a greater way than David. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, 
the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. This is a promise that when the Messiah comes, who is Jesus, that he will have the Holy Spirit in great fullness. Isaiah 61.1, this is a passage that Jesus went into the synagogue in Nazareth and he opened the scroll and he read these verses saying, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And the words were this, that were these, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So there was the spirit of the Lord being predicted for the Messiah. In the New Testament, we find the fulfillment of those predictions because uh, when Jesus came, um, uh, the spirit, Holy Spirit came upon him in great fullness. Matthew 3.16, when he was baptized, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Um, and that's in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This picture of the Holy Spirit visibly coming in the form of a dove and resting on Jesus so that people would know that there was something unusual in Jesus' life. And what was unusual? An incredible empowering and filling with the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus did any miracles, before he did any ministry, the power of the Holy Spirit came on him. And then, after his temptation in the wilderness, the first thing the Holy Spirit did was drive him into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted. But he, 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 he passed that test. He succeeded in the temptation. And then it says, he returned in the... What's the word? I'm just see if you're with me. In the power. Remember, the Holy Spirit empowers for service. That's our whole outline point that we're under here. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out to all the surrounding country. And then he quotes this Isaiah, 6 passage, or Isaiah 61 passage. But what happens is, it's just incredible. He's, people start bringing sick, sick people to him to be healed, and he heals them all. And they come with demon-possessed people, and he casts out the demons with the word. And they're amazed. And they say, whoa, we never saw anything like this. He commands the demons with a word, and they obey him. And, and the, uh, the lame walk, and the blind see. They're just amazed at the power of Jesus, and this is through the Holy Spirit working in his ministry. There's empowering. Now, when you put that in the context of Acts 1.8, Jesus promises, use this same word, he promises that power to his disciples. You will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's in connection with bearing witness to the whole world eventually. And Paul, when he looks back on many years of his ministry, preaching the gospel throughout the Mediterranean world, he's writing to the Romans, and he says, well, I, I, won't, I won't venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, so there's the Son of God working through him, to bring the Gentiles to obedience, that's all the regions in which he preached, all the cities he went to, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So I think it's miracles, I think it's empowering his preaching, I think it's empowering his prayer, I think it's empowering his words of counsel and compassion. It's every aspect of ministry being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Does it make sense why on the outline then under point A, we've got the Holy Spirit empowers? Empowers. Uh, apart from the activity of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life or in our lives, um, there's going to be no result. And there's going to be no fruit. There's going to be no benefit. And when you look at Scottsdale Bible Church over, now what is it, 40 years? How many? 
See, there's, there's been wonderful work of the Holy Spirit to bring the result that there is today. There's been an empowering for various kinds of ministry throughout the church. Spiritual gifts <clears throat> are given. <clears throat> Paul says, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, <clears throat> all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Or empowering for prayer. Through him, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So again, the Holy Spirit empowers our prayers to make them effective. Power over demons. Matthew 12, 28, Jesus says, If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So again, there's the Holy Spirit's power in conflict with spiritual forces. Now here's the question. Though we have seen much evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in many of our lives and in our churches and ministries, I think we could ask, do we need more of the power of the Holy Spirit in our ministries today? Well, my answer is yes. Don't, don't we long for we, We're thankful for the blessing that we've seen, but don't we long for more? Don't we long for more? more? More results in sharing the gospel with neighbors, co-workers, family members? Don't we long for more? And I just got E.G. and Carol here and just struggling with back problems and I prayed for them, prayed for them again, stood out in the hallway here and prayed for them. Oh, my heart would be so happy if the Lord would just instantly give you a solution. We keep praying. And and from time to time, God does give blessing. I'm looking at John here, who we thought wasn't going to live a few years ago with the cancer he had. And there he's sitting on the plane next to me, going to San Diego to consult with people about how to rebuild these burned-out buildings. Looking as strong as ever. Big smile on his face. <laughs> so I'm thankful. But But doesn't your heart long for more? Mine does, anyway. Ev? I've heard, that. <laughs> I've heard that question asked before, and I've heard people say that when you become a believer at conversion, that you actually receive a full measure of the Holy Spirit. You get a full measure at that time. So... What's really operating here is whether or not you're living, it's the other end of the equation, whether or not you're living in obedience and using the full measure. It's always there, and you have it at the moment of believing. So really, you don't need to pray for more because you already have it. <laughs> Yeah, Do you think that's I've, a true perspective yeah, on what's going yeah, on? I've, I've heard people say that a number yeah. of times, too, that you've heard, Ev. And I think my response is, um, we haven't gotten there yet, but in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I think he, he is assuming that though the Holy Spirit is within us, there can be a greater measure of empowering and purifying. I'm going through all five of these categories. Empowering, purifying, um, guiding, 
What's my outline? There's an R. I can't remember. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I didn't have to take a test on that right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, and the reason I think there can be more is when you get into Acts 2 and Acts 4, when they had prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So it looks like there was a, a later filling that came out at different times in people's lives. So more, more empowering. And, and the other way to look at this is it really, what we're talking about is a relationship with a person. It's not just like um, helium gas that's pumped into you or something like that that's impersonal. Uh, or a battery that's put inside you that's impersonal. It's, it's a relationship with a person, like the Father and Son are persons. And that person, the Holy Spirit, can be grieved, Ephesians 4.30. And when he's grieved, then I think he doesn't, doesn't work as powerfully in our lives. Um, but when our, and what you said was really important, Ev, when our lives are walking in obedience, then I think there is more blessing, as a general rule. There are exceptions. The Holy Spirit still empowered Samson, even though he was off into all sorts of sin. But it didn't. That didn't. That empowering didn't last forever. So I don't know. Is that is that helpful? Kind of. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, any other? Uh, that's point one. E.G. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and put it on the tape. Uh, the question is, uh, the ministries today and in our lives today, is that two separate issues and questions? Yeah. Because <clears throat> I, I think of Jesus in his hometown yeah. when he was not able to do many miracles. Yeah. And so corporately, I guess the Holy Spirit wasn't there as much. Yeah. Yeah, I did put two different points there because... Um, in our own life, that's just me, my relationship with Margaret, our relationships, our kids. It's it's kind of now there's a ministry to each other. That's but but what I meant was kind of by ministries was, you know, w when we're talking to a friend or a neighbor, or when we're teaching a Sunday school class, or leading a youth group, or counseling with another person, or visiting some, you know, going outside of just our own life, um, um, ministering to a family member. I mean, it can be all sorts of ministries like that. I think it's individually, but can there be a fullness of the Holy Spirit that comes on a group? Yeah, I think so. At Pentecost, at Acts 2. Uh -huh. And there are times when revival just breaks out in some churches. And uh, Jonathan Edwards in the Great Awakening in the early part of the United States. But then there have been other times in uh, um, um, the Great Awakening, Great Revival of the United States in 1859 and 1860, uh, probably out of a population of 30 million people, one million newly became Christians, you know, uh, in the whole United States. Uh, and then the Civil War broke out. And, and it looked like God was gathering a harvest before this great tragedy came. Um, and there are other patterns, like before World War I, it was a similar kind of thing. So I don't know if that's always the case, but there are times. Yeah, there are times and locations. I don't quite understand that, but where God seems to do a wonderful work in a certain location. This campus is ready now. 
got all the buildings. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. Any other question on this, on empowering for service and for ministry? I think when there's greater empowering, just our prayers are, we see just much more wonderful and immediate answers to prayer. And there's seasons when that happens. So, okay. Can we expect any blessing in our ministries without the power of the Holy Spirit? I don't think we can. I think uh, that's, that's the way that God works in our lives today. Okay, number two, or B, the Holy Spirit purifies. The Holy Spirit purifies. Well, he is called the Holy Spirit. Holy meaning there's a sense of purity or holiness in his activity. <clears throat> so John uh, 16, Jesus says, when he comes... Now, is that hard to read? See, that's something got messed up, and we don't know why. It had, but Trent tells me it has something to do with my computer. <laughs> Operator error. Okay, so anyway, here it is. I don't know. I did. I thought I did the same thing I always did, but I must have pushed some funny button. Okay, he's called the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It looks like the white color is set to something else. Don't worry about it. Let's go on. Okay. Um, he'll convict the world concerning That's convicting about, about sin, about, it, convicting people with regard to holiness. Or 1 Corinthians 6.11. Paul talks about all these sins, it's kind of various categories of really uh, blatant sinners. And then he says, and such were some of you at Corinth, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Who is it that cleansed the... Corinthians from their evil ways of life. It was the Holy Spirit washing and sanctifying and cleansing them. And you know, if you've been a believer for any length of time, your life is different. There's been a cleansing from what you were before. And the Holy Spirit does that more and more. Then, um, Matthew 3, uh, I baptize you with water uh, for repentance, says John the Baptist. He was coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And you wonder, what does that mean, with fire? Fire is very often a sign of God's purifying activity in the Bible. As fire would purify metals and cleanse away the dross, so going through a fire uh, of the Holy Spirit, there would be a purification. And then the fruit of the Spirit, the, what does the Holy Spirit produce within us? Again, there's a purifying work so that he produces in us love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things are what should increasingly be characteristic of a person who has the Holy Spirit at work within. And you know, if you live in a, in a community of Christian believers or you're active in the church, it's not that Christians are perfect because there's a lot yet that God has to do with us and there are misunderstandings and there are tensions and we do by mistake or whatever, we do wrong to one another from time to time. But overall, there is increasingly love, Joy, peace, all these characteristics. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And God should, through the Holy Spirit, be increasingly producing those in our own lives. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, Paul says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. He's saying, 
what the Christian life is, is we're getting more and more like God in our moral character. We're becoming more like him from one degree to another. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Um, and there, uh, the Holy Spirit is doing that, changing us gradually. Romans 8, 13. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If there are patterns in your life, a bad temper, foul language that comes out of your mouth from time to time, coveting things you shouldn't be coveting, um, other things that God may be convicting you of, an attitude of bitterness or hostility towards someone else that you haven't forgiven, um, other kinds of patterns of life that you say, Lord, I know that isn't what you want of me. I know you don't want me to act that way. Help me. Paul is saying it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can change. If by the, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, it means just our old nature, then... You will live. So the Holy Spirit purifies. Well, here's the same question. Do we need more of the purifying work of the Holy Spirit in our ministries today and in our lives today? Do you see? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we do. I think that, that our, our hearts just, just probably long for, Lord, make me more like you. And that's, what, that's a longing for the Holy Spirit. Can we expect any blessings at our ministries without the purifying work of the Holy Spirit? No, probably not. Okay. That's point two. Point three is the Holy Spirit reveals. But I think what I'm going to do is... Um, let me see. Oh, we have... I have, I have... I have more minutes. I can do one more point here. Oh, well, but let me stop first. See if you have questions on the Holy Spirit empowers and the Holy Spirit purifies. The reveal is going to be kind of a big topic. E.G.? About empowering. Yep. And what? Get this on tape. Uh, the question is, you're speaking about empowering, and, and what role does the Holy Spirit play in the miracles that Jesus performed? Hard question. I'm not sure if anybody knows the whole answer, but. Um, I think the Holy Spirit played a very large role in Jesus' ministry because he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee there in Luke 4, about verse 14, and then you see all these miracles where he says, if by the Spirit of God I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So it's by the Spirit of God that he's casting out demons and healing. But there are other times where it seems to me, e.g., and not every New Testament professor is going to agree with me on this, but there are times when it seems to me well, I'll back up. Some people say Jesus only worked by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's an example for us then, because he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, And there's a lot of truth in that, but I don't want to say only. And the reason is there are some miracles where it seems to me it's Jesus' own divine power at work. Um, and one of them is, in John 2, I won't turn to it now, but Jesus turns the water into wine, and it says... This, the first of his miracles, or signs, this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory. See, he's not showing the glory of the Holy Spirit. He manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And that glory, going back to John 1, is glory is of the only Son from the Father. So I, I think it's, it's his own glory. And, and I think when Jesus says, my son, your sins are forgiven, 
he's speaking by his own authority. And I think when he says to the waves and the winds, be still, that's his power as God to command the winds and the waves, and they're subject to him. And the disciples say, what kind of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? And so I think at times it's Jesus' own divine strength and power. At times it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And times there isn't any indication we don't know. So that's why it's a hard question. I can't give a full answer. Good, good. But the, the takeaway thing from that for us is a lot of Jesus' miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit are as a pattern for us. And he, and, he, and he wants his disciples to follow in that. So why don't we see more? Don't know. Clyde. The difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit yeah. is what? Well... I'll give you my view, and then I'll say there are different views in the Christian world. I think baptized in the Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul says, by one spirit or in one spirit, you were all baptized into one body. You were all baptized into the church, I think. I think Paul means that baptism in the Holy Spirit is another way of talking about what the Holy Spirit does at the moment of conversion. Baptized in the Holy Spirit is flooded with the Holy Spirit, overwhelmed, washed, cleansed by the Holy Spirit. I think baptized is another phrase for that. And everybody who's a Christian then, I think, has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? There's another stream of thought in the Christian world, and that is um, in the Assemblies of God and other Pentecostal groups, uh, the uh, Church of uh, Foursquare Gospel as well, these are good people, they're Christians, they believe the Bible, they believe the Word, but I have a difference with them on this. They teach that first you're saved, later you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they pray for it as a second experience, and they argue it from Acts. And, and then they say that you have to speak in tongues as a sign, that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And... Um, I've thought about that and I've studied through it and I don't I think the instances in acts are unusual and um, I just remembered that we're on chapter 30 in the systematic theology book and chapter 39 is on baptism in the Holy Spirit where uh, we'll talk about that in detail but my view is it's what happens to us when we become Christians and we don't need to have it happen as a second experience later that's but that's my own View and just want to say when there are differences in the Christian world, I want to just make them make them plain anyway. So, okay, good, yeah. And what is your view on the Pentecostal speaking in tongues? Yeah, <laughs> best uh, my best strategy is just answer and answer honestly. I think it is a gift that some people have today, but not for everybody. And there are others in the Christian world who think that it ceased in the first century. But I just can't see that in the New Testament. Now, we're on chapter 30. I get to that in chapter 53. <laughs> Long time from now. Okay. Anything else about um, empowering or purifying by the Holy Spirit? Okay. Oh, one more way over here. Oh, why am I forgetting your name again? Um, Don. Don Edwards, okay. 
don't we stifle the work of the Holy Spirit in our individual lives by not obeying the two things that control everything in the Bible, and that is to love and believe. Mm -hmm. And I feel that the percentage of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is has something to do with the amount of, or not the amount of, but in our belief and in our love. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't love mm -hmm. like God expects us to, mm -hmm. how can we expect to have power in the Holy Spirit, with yeah. the Holy Spirit? Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that, Don. I'm, I guess I'm not going to differ with it, but just say thank you. Yes, there is there's truth in that. Look down at point E under the outline. We're going to get to this next week. The Holy Spirit gives stronger or weaker evidence of the presence and blessing of God according to our response to him. And so the payoff for all of this is going to be, yes, I think it, there is something of the sovereign decision of the Holy Spirit to, you know, to bless and whatever, but there's a, also a lot in this relationship that has to do with our response, our faith, our obedience, our love, etc. Ah, yes. Okay, way in the back. Um, Paul. Empowering the, the disciples. In, Go ahead, start again, Paul. In John 20, 22, in the upper room where yeah. he appears to the disciples, yeah. or the apostles, um, it, it talks about Jesus uh, sending them out as the Father sent, has sent him. Yeah. And he breathes on them, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. How yeah. do you reconcile those verses with the Pentecostal experience in Acts? I think that this is an acted-out prediction or prophecy of what was going to happen at Acts. Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't say then that they were filled. Just like the verse before that says, As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. But it didn't happen until Acts 2 and Pentecost. Because he said, Wait. So I'm sending you, but wait. So he said, now receive the Holy Spirit, but I think that waits too, until Pentecost. And then the Holy Spirit comes on them. So I put it together with verse 21. But again, if I'm going to be honest, people say, here's a receiving the Holy Spirit, later there's a receiving the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter a lot in that case, because I think we can be filled at one point, filled another point, filled another point. Paul says, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit um, in Ephesians 5. So that is, okay. All right. So I... I I like it when we can have a little time to interact, and I didn't have any time last week. What we've got, and so just thanks for those, just again, really good questions and interaction. Let's see if we can, um, if we can sing. And we'll get onto the Holy Spirit guiding us uh, next week and what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. We come to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you and we praise you for your wonderful work in us. And Holy Spirit, we especially ask now that you would purify us more and more, cleanse out those things that are not pleasing to you, 
empower us, help us, that we would not grieve you in any way with any word or thought or deed during this coming week, but that you would delight in what you see and know to be in us. And then we ask, as, as you are pleased in your sovereign will, that you would empower us for all those areas of life where we touch other people, that, that you would speak through us, that you would make our prayers better, that you would hear our prayers or, or, or uh, bring, their, bring them before the Father, that he would hear our prayers. that you would empower us to live the Christian life more fully and that your kingdom would advance through us even during this week. Amen. See you next week.